0: Hey there, I'm Lauren Hicks, pastor of Pacific Christian Center in Santa Maria, California. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It's my prayer that this message strengthens your faith and draws you closer to God. Now enjoy today's message. You today i would like you to turn me to the book of deuteronomy it's the fifth book in the bible maybe you have a bible app on your phone you'd like to turn me now we always want to encourage you to bring a bible when you come to the house of the lord preaching is about the bible it's about the word of the lord it's about the word of god and we'll be in chapter six this morning for just a few moments today i want to talk on the topic of how to nurture the spiritual growth of your family how to nurture the spiritual growth of your children how many of you today believe the family is still a good idea? Anybody believe that? And I know the family is under attack. The family is under attack today by our culture. Uh, the family is under attack by the enemy of our soul. The family is under attack in our media, rarely in media, popular media, TV, film, movies. Rarely will you see a positive influence uh, on the family, but it's still a good idea. And it's a good idea because the family, you need to be reminded of this, is God's idea. See the family is not man's idea the family is God's idea and the family today needs a lot of encouragement your family needs encouragement the family needs strength and I believe today that God wants to bless the family and I believe and I hope you'll hear this today God wants to bless your family now our families aren't perfect I wish I could stand here today and say the Hicks family is a perfect family but it is not a perfect family One person said when they were talking about the family, they said, you know, there is a a great speech by Winston Churchill. He said, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. And that sounds exactly like our family vacation. (laughs) But the family is... God designed the family. Everybody needs a family. The family is designed to be a place of love, a place of togetherness. The family is a place where we find support and strength from one another. The family is a place where we pray together. Can I, can I hear an amen? The family is a place where we laugh together. The family is a place where we cry together. The family is a place where we work together. Yes, work together. I read this week an exhaustive study that showed that no woman has ever shot her husband while he was washing dishes. It's never happened. It's never happened. Not, not once. There's safety there, man, safety. But today as a church, we affirm the family. We honor the family because it's God's idea. Now, the next few minutes and I won't be long today but as I talk about the family you may be here today and maybe you don't have children or maybe you're single and you think this message is not for me but let me tell you today why this message matters to you is because as a church we are a family the church is our larger family now I have the family I go home today with but when I come here today to get today with you and when we meet together throughout the week and we serve together we are a family we belong To one another and I know that since you're part of this church family you love the families in this church and it matters to you and you want the children in this church to know Jesus and you want the next generation to grow up and serve the Lord and I know that in your heart you want to be able to support the families in this church any way that you possibly can. Now there are literally hundreds of books and philosophies on parenting strategies and ideas and Uh, When we used to have bookstores that we could go to, you could go and browse the books and now you can do that online. But there are so many different ideas about the family and parenting and different approaches and different strategies and opinions. But today we're not going to talk about any of that. We're not going to talk today about the best ways to discipline. We're not going to talk today about whether you should give your children vaccines or not. We're not going to talk today about how to get your children to eat more veggies. We're not going to do that. But we're going to talk about how to bring spiritual nourishment how to nurture the spiritual growth of your family and your grandchildren you know as a parent I think there are so many commonalities that we have for those of you that are parents in the room so many things that we all want for our children if I were to ask you what do you what are your dreams for your children what do you want for your children I I think it would come down to a handful of things most of us would say that we want our children to grow up and to be strong mature well-rounded and moral people we want, we want them to be able to provide for themselves and maybe a family. How many of you want your children to be able to provide for themselves? Amen. That's a good thing. And we want our children, we might say that we want our children to be happy and, and to contribute to society in some way. And all that is wonderful and all that is good. But, but for me, and I can just speak for me, that uh, there is a, a pressing burden on my heart that far surpasses those things. And even though those things are wonderful things, there's nothing that I want more for my family and for my family to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. That matters the most to me. And I was thinking this morning as I was just looking over, I, get up, I always get up very early on Sunday mornings and pray for this service pray for you. And looking over my sermon notes and asking God to speak to us today. But I was thinking this, this morning that, that there will come a day that Lauren will preach his last sermon. There'll come a day that my ministry will come to an end. There'll come a day and I'll leave this life and I'll move to the next life and I'll be enter into the presence of the Lord. And, and there'll be a service, maybe it'll happen here, I don't know, but there'll be a service in a place and they'll talk about my life. And they'll talk about things and, 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 and I suppose they might talk about some, some accolades. Maybe they might talk about you know, his educational pursuits. So they might talk about the churches that he pastored. They might talk about uh, people that got saved. I hope somebody will stand up and say, I got saved under his ministry. They might talk about some places that I went, some things that I, that I did. And they might tell some funny stories and laugh about my life. But the thing I hope that is remembered the most is that Lauren was a man who did everything he could so that his family could know and follow Jesus. There's nothing in my life matters to me more than that. Success does not matter to me more than that. Money does not matter to me more than that. Earthly possessions do not matter because those things are temporary. But there is something that's going to last forever, and that's the souls of my family. And I want my family to be together in the presence of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, the Apostle Paul says, We are to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That means, what does that mean? That means that we set up the environment. Now, you cannot make your children, your grandchildren grow spiritually. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But as a parent and a grandparent, we can set up the environment. We can bring them up in a nurture. We can put them in the right position where God can have his way in their hearts and in their lives. When it comes to nurturing our children, we certainly want to nurture them physically. And we're trying to do that. We take them to the doctor for their exams. We take them to the dentist to get their teeth cleaned. And, and, and we want to make sure that they have a proper diet, and proper nutrition. And we also want to nurture our children emotionally. We're learning more and more as the generations go on about the importance of emotional Uh, the emotional nourishment of the emotional health of our families and we want to nurture the the intellectual aspect of our children we do that by letting them go to school and by having important conversations over the course uh, of their life but we cannot forget about the spiritual nurture of our families the spiritual nurture now I know there comes a time in many families where this becomes important there are a lot of people who are raised in church who just kind of got got out of the habit, or, you know, maybe they didn't abandon their faith in God, just kind of just not walking with not walking with God. And but but something will happen. They'll have a child and they'll say, you know what? We need to get back in church. We need to get our children in those classes. We need to because they, they want their children to have that foundation of knowing Jesus and knowing who Jesus is. And so so it's so vital for us that today, maybe you're sensing that in your heart that I want to do everything I can to nurture the spiritual growth of my children and my grandchildren. And I'm so glad that the Bible talks about this subject. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to read Scripture in just a moment. But let me give you a little bit of background here on this passage of Scripture. Uh, we know that the, the, we call them the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. The Jewish people were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. The Bible teaches us that. And God sent a deliverer. His name was... I think you've got a, got a Bible reader or two in the house today. His name was Moses. And God used Moses in a tremendous way and through, through signs and wonders. And the Bible tells us by the mighty hand of the Lord that God delivered the Israelites from the Egyptian slavery. And they set out on a journey through the wilderness to the promised land. God had a land that he promised to give them. It's called the promised land. They called it a land flowing in milk and honey. And this journey took a long time. And God was doing some things, and sometimes because of the rebellion of the people, the journey took longer than it, than it should have. But for 40 years, they were in the wilderness on their way to this promised land. And now, by the time we get to the book of Deuteronomy, they are, they are, they are at the entrance of the promised land. They are about to cross the Jordan River. They're about to go in and take possession of the land that God had promised them. And we can only imagine the excitement and the joy that fill their hearts as they're about to enter into the promised land after so many years of of wandering in the wilderness and so many years of living in in tents and that type of thing. But Moses is, is gathering the people to speak to them. It's just kind of at the end of Moses' life, it's kind of a final instruction before they enter into the promised land. And Moses is talking to this generation and And they've seen God do amazing things. They saw the miraculous deliverance from Egyptian slavery. God protected them and provided for them in the wilderness. The Bible says that their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years. Even their shoes didn't wear out. I wish sometimes that God would do that miracle for my children. But he he hasn't yet. Uh, and, And we can only imagine their excitement. But as they're about to enter the promised land, Moses is concerned. He's concerned about the next generation. And his concern is not for their well-being, or their protection, or their families, or even their provision, or how they're going to eat, or how they're going to live. His concern is about their spiritual life. Because here's what happens, this is Moses' concern. When things are bad in our lives, when things are difficult, we have a tendency to cry out to God. Now don't raise your hand, but how many of us, that's been our story, that in a crisis we cry out to God. And God is faithful, we sang about it today, God is more than enough for us but 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 sometimes and this doesn't happen this doesn't have to happen to you but sometimes when life gets good and the crisis goes away we can sometimes forget about god and moses was saying yeah when you were in egypt and you were slaves yeah you were crying out to god and when you were in the wilderness and you couldn't take care of yourself sure you were crying out to god but moses says what happens When you go into the promised land and you live in cities you didn't build, and you're eating from fruit trees you didn't plant, and crops you didn't plant, and vines that you didn't plant, and all of a sudden you're living in safety and things are good, what happens to your spiritual condition under those concerns? And Moses had a valid concern. Some of us, we came to God in a crisis. We cried out to God, but now God's delivered us and we're doing good. What happens to the next generation? What happens to the next generation? What happens to your children? What happens to your grandchildren? Will they continue to serve God? Will they stay faithful in good times? How do we pass on our faith and our spiritual values to the next generation? Deuteronomy 6, 9 verses. The scripture says in verse 1, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. That's a blessing. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey it so that it will go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing in milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now notice these next few verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Now, I find it very interesting that Moses does not give instructions on farming. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They don't, what do they know about farming? He doesn't give them instructions on economics, or construction, or even battle plans. But what's first and foremost on Moses' heart and mind is the family's role in the faith formation of the next generation. And Moses gives four things. I'm going to walk through very quickly. First, he says, here's what you do. If you're interested in the spiritual nurture of your family, passing your faith to the next generation, here's what you do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Moses is saying here, catch it, he's saying it starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. Love the Lord your God with everything. You know, when you know God, you love God. Now, if you're here today and you don't know God, that might seem weird to you to love God. But when you know God, you love God. When you experience his grace, when you experience his mercy, his kindness, and when you experience his love, the natural response to my heart is to love God back. How could I not love a God who's loved me so much? First John chapter 4 verse 19 says we love God because he first loved us. And so Moses is saying that if you're interested in the spiritual nurture of the next generation, mom and dad, you've got to love God with all that you are first. It's grandparents and parents. When we truly love God with all we are, we cannot help but pass that on to the next generation. Now, of course, your children and grandchildren will have an opportunity to choose for themselves what they believe. But there is no doubt that when we love God with all that we are, we will make an impact on their hearts and their lives. And by the way, I want to say to you moms, you're making an impact. Whether you see it or not, feel it or not, you're making an impact. Second, Moses said, let the word of God constantly be on your heart. In other words, what can we do to keep our love for God in the right place? Moses gives us an answer. Love his word. Let the word of God constantly be on your heart. Now, this means that we have to spend time in the Bible, of course. But I have noticed in my life, and some of you have noticed this as well in your life, that, that when I'm spending time in the word of God, and these, the word of God is on my thoughts, I, I've learned that when I keep my mind on the word throughout the day, it impacts my own thinking. That when I'm in scripture and it's on my mind, it impacts my attitude. It impacts my reactions towards others. You see, the word of God is having a direct influence on my choices and decisions and how I live my life. We have to be careful, as Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, be careful to keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything written in. it." And then here's a promise. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God say, I'm going to bless a person like that. I'll bless a man like that. I'll bless a woman like that. Love God with all that you are. Let his word be constantly on your mind. And then third, leave a spiritual impression on the lives of your children. Verse 7, he says, impress upon them. What's interesting is in the Hebrew language, you know, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The original language here is like engraving. Now, this doesn't mean that you should engrave God's word literally upon your children or staple the Ten Commandments to their forehead till they get it. That's not what it's saying. But but think about the engraving process. If you were to engrave something in a stone, it takes time, it takes skill, it takes precision, it takes patience to get it just right. And it'll take all of those things for you to make an impression over the lives of your children. And that's why God gives us these many years to do so. Uh, your children by the way if they're not maybe not where you would like for them to be spiritually by the way your children are in process they're in process and that's an encouragement to our hearts and our lives the bible says proverbs 22 verse 6 that we are to train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it that's the bible how many of you stand on that promise anybody in the house today Now I read a study this week. They spent $250,000. This is not a joke. $250,000 to do a study to find out who is the most impressionable upon children. Like who has the most, the greatest impact in their lives? You know, is it a teacher at school? Is it their friends in the neighborhood? Who has the most impact? And and they came back after spending $250,000 to find out That the person that has the greatest impact or influence upon a child is the parent. I could have saved them $250,000. I wish they'd have given that to me. I could have given it to Convoy of Hope. We could have fed a lot of kids. Think about the impression that your parents made upon your life. Either positive or negative, their influence is still there. And you will never forget it question today is what influence will you leave upon your children what impression see some parents leave the impression of absence some parents leave the impression of anger or indifference or overindulgence but other parents leave the impression of faithfulness consistency unending love discipline godliness we have to make an impression finally today's worship team comes to help me finally Look for teachable moments. Look for teachable moments. You see, all the time, life presents parents and grandparents with opportunities for teachable moments. Now, if you were to have a conversation with my children, and please don't do this, but if you were to have a conversation with my children and ask them about our home life, my, my children would say, my parents do not sit us down in like a classroom. We're not having like, you know, uh, Bible college classes in our living room. Okay, my kids are just kids like your, your kids. But they will tell you, over the course of their lives their mom and dad has for teachable moments and that may come on a road trip that might come on the way home from school that might come on a walk in the neighborhood that God presents a moment something happening in their life or something that's happening in our lives and something's happening in our culture it's an opportunity for us to have a teachable moment so moms and dads take advantage of that let your life teach let your choices and decisions teach let what you love teach and just imagine with me for a moment parents and grandparents imagine with me imagine your children and grandchildren over the years watching you be transformed into the image of Jesus imagine your children seeing you sing on Sunday mornings with your hands lifted up maybe you get a little emotional that's all right a tear is coming down as you just reflect on the goodness of God and you sing you are more than enough for me and you're thinking about how God has always been good to you how he's been faithful Imagine the impact on your children. It wasn't just a few weeks ago I saw a dad. It just happened to turn during our time of praise and worship and there was a dad and there was a little boy next to the dad. The dad had his hands up in worship and the little boy had his hands up in worship. And I thought, what's happening there? We're passing it on to the next generation. We're making an impact. We're making an influence. We look for those moments. Moses was concerned that when the Israelites had it good that they would forget God. What would happen to the next generation? It was critical that the parents and grandchildren teach their children these truths about God, not just in words, but in truth and in lifestyle. Can I say something strong to you this morning? With love in my heart, I just have a pastoral moment. I cannot expect my children to love Jesus if I don't love Jesus. I can't expect the Bible to be important to my children if it's not important to me. I can't expect my children to grow up and be people of prayer if they never see their dad pray. If the house of God's not important in my life, they'll just grow up thinking it's something you do if it's convenient. We're in a fight. As I mentioned to you, this is more important to me than being a success. This is more important to me than becoming financially independent. It's more important than my hobbies and my interests. This is my spiritual responsibility before God. So let me give you a pr- couple of practical things and we're going to sing. Here's some things we can do. Pray with and for your children every day. Never underestimate the power of a praying mom and praying dad. Some of you are adults here today, and you could say, if it wasn't for my praying mom, I don't know where I'd be today. Help your children grow by teaching them about God. Talk with them about what God is doing in your life. Understand that your most important discipleship is at the dining room table. Be honest and consistent in your own relationship with God. We're not perfect. When we fail, own it and apologize. We're growing. Help your children see that we're learning and growing. Be faithful to the house of God. Put your children in the right spiritual environments. As I read the Bible about Moses' concern for the next generation, I share that concern. Psalm 145, verse 4 says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is a faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. Notice that God keeps his word to a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey him. Let me show you some pictures. That next slide, please. You can put that next slide up on the screen. I don't know if you can read that well or not. But that is the tombstone, the grave marker of my great, great, great grandfather. Reverend J.W. Hicks. Great, great that's three greats. Great grandfather. He passed away in 1897. Next slide. That's a picture of my papa. I can I can not hardly look at that picture without getting emotional. They're with Jesus now. That's my mom and dad. My dad's still pastoring today. He raised me to serve the Lord. The next slide. My beautiful wife and I. we were married 28 years this year. And our three precious children. Why did I show you these pictures today? I show you those pictures because we're concerned about the generations. The generations. There's a generation that came before. There's a generation now. But it can't stop with this generation we must go to the next generation and that's why as a pastor that's why that's why as a pastor, you just got to know this about my heart and I cannot apologize for this. I am passionate about our children's ministry and student ministry at this church. Amen. We will invest finances, we will invest people we will give space. we will do whatever it takes Glory to reach the next generation. We're passionate we're passionate. May God help us today to nurture the next generation. It starts with you. Let's sing together. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Special thanks to those of you who give so generously to make this ministry possible. If God has put it on your heart to give, please visit our website at pacificchristian.net. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends on social media, and giving us a rating in iTunes. This will enable us to expand our reach and share the message of Christ with more people. Until next time, God bless.